Welcome to episode 10, where Council finishes the story about the mermaid and the fortunate country folk who escape her wicked clutches with the help of a magical old woman. In one's time, you'll meet John Spellman. Oh, I thought Cherie's going to have to do a third magical thing to save her Jake. John's friend, Council Register. Well, things was not looking good. And Route Hog. Big Harry Boogerman says there's a frog living under the cellar steps. Larry looked at the empty bucket. He thought, how am I going to fill this thing up with truth? He thinks for a minute, and he says, Your Majesty, how much truth do you reckon is in that bucket at the moment? And the king looked at it, and he says, This bucket is one-tenth full, and you have to fill it until it is overflowing. All right, said Larry, and he turned to Sharonda. Sharonda, please say yes whenever you hear a truth falling into that bucket. Sharonda, did we kiss each other? Yes. Did we kiss again two more times? Yes, 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 said Sharonda. Did I give you a rabbit? Yes. And where, Sharonda, did I put that rabbit? Sharonda says, uh, Oh, Daddy, look, that bucket looks pretty full. No, less than halfway, said the king. Answer that question. All right, says Sharonda. Larry, you put that rabbit under my shirt. And then Larry turned to the queen and he asked her, Queen, did I kiss you? Yes. Did you kiss me back? Oh, yes. How many times, queen? Well, let me think, um, said the queen. Let me think. One, two, three, four, five six, at least six times, maybe more. Uh, you can stop now, said the king. That bucket looks very full of truth. But, said Larry, you wanted it to overflow. So, the truth, your kingship, why did I give you a magic whistle? Was it because you kissed? Oh, look, said the king. Look, the bucket is overflowing. Now Larry has only one more task to accomplish. But Daddy, said Sharonda, he's done three tasks. Isn't that enough? My dear, I must be sure that he is truly worthy of you. Larry, you must bring to me one long hair pulled from the back of the big hairy booger man. Larry said, I'll try. And he sets out first thing next morning. And he traveled on and traveled on until he came to a large estate where he asked for a night's rest. And the owner of the place said, well, sure. And asked him where he was going. And Larry says, oh, I'm going to go get a long hair from the back of the big hairy booger man. Oh, said the owner of that place. You're off to see the big hairy booger man. You know, they say that the big hairy booger man is terrible mean, but that he also knows just about everything. And Larry, since I've recently lost the key to my iron money chest, 
Perhaps you could ask him where that key is. Oh, sure, said Larry. I'll do that. Early the next morning, Larry took off, traveled all day, until he came to a big house where he has to spend the night. And when the man and the woman in the house learned he was going to go visit the big hairy booger man, they told him that their little girl was sick, and they had tried everything to cure, but nothing had worked. So they asked Larry, would he ask the booger man what might make their little girl well again? And Larry says, well, sure. And he traveled on. Then he came to a wide, deep creek pool, and there was a tired, tired man there whose job it was to row everyone and anyone across the water. And the man asked where Larry was headed, and he says to the big hairy booger man, Well, says the rowing man, when you meet him, would you ask him why I have to stay here and row everyone across this creek pool and why I can never stop doing it? Well, sure thing, said Larry, and the man rowed him across. And finally, Larry arrived at the home of the big hairy booger man. But only the booger man's grandmother was at home and not big hairy himself. Now the grandmother asked Larry, what do you want here? So Larry told her everything, how he had to get a long hair from the big hairy booger man's back about the estate where the key to the chest was lost, about the large house where the girl was sick, and about the man who couldn't stop rowing people across the creek pool. And grandmother says to him, Well, look here, little fella. No human being can talk to Booger. I mean, he just eats them all up. They can't get a word in. But if you dare, you can hide under his bed He'll be back soon, and then when he's asleep, you can reach up and pull one of those long hairs out of his back. And I like you, little fella. So, as for the other things that you want to know, I'll ask Booger Man myself. And Larry says, okay, thank you. And he lay down underneath the bed, and pretty soon, the big hairy Booger Man came home. And as he walked in, he says, ah, ah, I smell a human being. Yes, said his grandmother, was one of them came by today. But before I could even catch him for you, he, he took off, kept going. Well, too bad, said the big hairy booger man, and he flopped down on his bed. The grandmother sang to the booger man and stroked his head, and he got real sleepy and was soon snoring away loudly. And when Larry was sure Booger was deeply asleep, he reached out and pulled a long hair from his back. Big Harry Booger Man jumped up. Ouch, grandmother, something pinched my back. And I'm sure, oh, I'm sure I smell a human being. Well, you've surely been dreaming, replied his grandmother. I told you already a, a human being had been here, but he got away. Talky little fellow, though. Told me all kinds of things. Said said there's some estate where the key to the money chest had been lost and the people there can't find it anywhere. Oh, those fools, said the big air booger man. Their key is in the woodshed lying under a log behind the door. And then he said, he said that there was a sick girl in a large house and her parents didn't know how to cure her. Oh, those dumb people, said Big Harry. There's a frog living under their cellar steps, and it made a nest out of some of her hair. If someone went and got her hair back, she'd be fine. Oh, 
Oh, he told me too, Booger, that there was a large creek pool where a man has to row everyone across and can never stop doing it. Oh, that idiot, said the big hairy Booger man. All he has to do is to get someone else to hold the oars for a second, and then that person will have to row everyone across. Everyone. Well, early next morning, the big hairy Booger man gets up and leaves. Larry crawls out from under the bed, carrying a big, long hair. And he had heard what the big hairy Booger man had said in regard to the key, the girl, and the man. But the big hairy Booger man's grandmother kindly repeated everything to him so that he would not forget. And Larry listened politely and thanked her and set upon his way home again. Now, first he came to the man at the creek pool, asked him right away, what did he say about this rowing? And Larry said, well, I'll tell you when we get to the other side. And they got over, and Larry made sure he was up on the bank and told the man that all he had to do was to get someone else to hold the oars, even for a second, and he'd never have to row anyone across again. Oh, and the man was so happy to hear that, he offered to row Larry back and forth again, just, just to show him how grateful he was. But Larry said, well, no, thank you, I'm in a bit of a hurry. So he kept going along his way until he came to the place where the girl was sick. And he lifted that little girl up and carried her down the cellar stairs, pulled out the frog's nest from under the bottom step and handed it to the girl. And she jumped from his arms and ran up the stairs in perfect health again. And her parents were so happy that they gave Larry two bags each of gold and silver. And then Larry traveled on to the estate where he went directly to the woodshed, found the key under the log behind the door, and brought it to the lord of the castle, who was so happy. While he gave Larry half a barrel of jewels and three herds of cows, of sheep, and of goats. So, when Larry came to the king's place with all those things, the huge long hair, the money, the jewels, the gold, the silver, the cows, the sheep, the goats, the king asked him, who, where'd you get all that stuff? And Larry told him that the big hairy booger man had given him everything he wanted. And the king thought, well, I ought to have some of that same stuff too. So he asked Larry, uh, how do you get to the booger man's house? And he set out to find him. And he did find him. And when he came to the creek pool, it so happened that he was the first one to reach it since Larry had been there. So in the middle of the water, the tired, tired man suddenly thrust the oars into the king's hands and said, oh, sorry, please hold these for just a second. And they say that former king can still be seen, rowing people back and forth, back and forth, unable to stop because he doesn't know how to get somebody else to do it. But Larry, he became the king, and he married Sharonda. And they both tried to always tell the truth. And they lived actually pretty darn happy till ever after. And then we heard counsel hollering, Hey, you two, come on, get back here. You got my water bottle and this rabbit can't wait. And we carried the water back to camp and we sat down and were eating. When Routhog says to counsel, Hey, hey, counsel, you never finished what happened to that woman that lost her husband to the mermaid. Oh, right, right, said counsel. 
and he finished up his food and says, set in to finish his story. You know, things were not looking good for Cherie and her stolen husband, Jake, until Cherie had that dream and hiked up that mountain near her home, and, and there everything was just exactly like she'd seen it in her dream. The old, old woman opened her trailer door and received Cherie in a friendly, friendly way and, and showed her a chair where she used to sit. Oh, you must have had a terrible experience, the old woman said, for you to have searched out my lonely little home. And then Cherie cried and cried, and she told the wise old woman what had happened to her, and the old woman said, Calm, my dear, calm down, for I'm going to help you. And she turned around and reached up on her bric-a-brac shelf, and she brought down a tiny golden comb. And she said to Cherie, here is a tiny golden comb. Wait until the full moon has risen, and then go down to the creek pool. Sit down on the bank and tease up your hair with this little comb. And when you're finished, set the comb down on the bank, and something will happen. Cherie returned home, and she waited for the full moon. She watched, and she waited, and she waited. Oh, it was real slow and coming. Until finally, it appeared in the sky. So she went out to the creek pool, sat down, and teased up her full head full of long black hair with a little golden comb. And that comb grew bigger and bigger each time it passed through her hair until finally, the comb became full-sized, and her hair was piled up high on her head. And then she set the comb down on the edge of the water. And real quick, a burbling came up from the depths and a wave rose up, rolled to the shore and took the comb away with it. And then the surface of the water parted and Jake, Jake's head appeared out of it. Jake did not speak, but he stared at his sweetheart with a sad look as if she were dead. He did seem about to speak when a second wave rushed over him and covered his head and everything disappeared. The creek pool was again as still and peaceful as before and only the face of the full moon shone upon it. Cherie returned home, heartbroken. However, that night another dream came to her and again showed her the old woman's trailer and the next morning, Cherie set out, found the old lady again, and poured out her woes. This time, the wise woman gave her a tiny golden flute and said, Now you wait until the moon comes out tonight, and then take this flute, sit down on the bank, play a tune you know that Jake will like, and after you're done, lay the flute down on the ground and see what happens. Well, Jake's wife did what the old woman told her to do, and when she touched her lips to the flute, it quickly grew to its full size and made lovely music. And then, just as she set the flute on the ground, there was a sudden bubbling from the depths of the creek pool. A wave rose up, moved toward the bank, and took the flute away with it. But soon after, the water parted, and Jake's head and half his body could be seen. 
and passionately he stretched out his arms toward his wife, calling her name, Cherie. But just as he did this, a second wave rolled by and dragged him back down into the water. Oh, I thought, oh, Cherie's going to have to do a third magic thing to get her Jake. Yes, grief filled Cherie's heart again. But again, she went to the old woman's trailer. And the wise woman again comforted her and then gave her a miniature golden spinning wheel and said, not everything has been completed. Tonight, when the moon comes out, take this spinning wheel. Sit down on the bank and spin dried grass into thread until the reel is full. And when you're finished, place the spinning wheel near the water, stay real quiet, and see what happens. So as soon as the moon appeared, Cherie carried that golden spinning wheel to the bank of the creek pool. And as soon as she put it on the ground, the wheel grew to its full size. And she spun and spun diligently until there was no more dried grass left. And the reel was completely full of golden thread. And at that very instant, water bubbled almost violently in the depths and rushed onto the shore and carried the spinning wheel away with it. And soon after, the head and entire body of her husband rose up high above the water. And quickly, Jake jumped to the shore, took his wife by the hand, and away they ran, laughing with joy. But they had barely covered a quarter mile when a huge wave from the creek pool rose up with a horrible bubbling sound and raced after them with such force that it tore everything along with it. And then in terrible fear, Cherie called out to the old woman, help us, help us, help us. And suddenly both lovers were changed. Cherie changed into a toad, Jake into a frog. So when the waves swept over them, it did not kill them. But it did carry them far, far away from each other. And then, sometime later, after the toad and frog had each touched down on dry land, they slowly regained their human shapes. But neither one knew quite who they were, nor remembered the other. And on high hills and in deep valleys, they found themselves alone among strangers who did not know them or their sometimes odd ways. In order to earn a living, Cherie and Jake, both independently, became goat herds. And for many years, they drove their flocks through fields and forests, each often filled with a strange sadness and a deep, unknown desire. Until once time, on a sun-drenched spring day, they each set out with their flocks, and as chance would have it, meandered closer and closer together near the edges of a large stream. And when Jake and Cherie each caught sight of another flock on the edge of the stream, they drove their goats toward each other, and thus they finally met again. And although they did not recognize each other, they were glad to have each other's company. And from then on, they drove their flocks side by side every day. They didn't talk much, but they each felt a comfort and a blessing from the presence of the other. 
One evening, sometime later, when a full moon appeared in the clear sky and their goats were quiet, Jake took out a flute from his pocket and played a beautiful tune, and when he had finished, Cherie was weeping bitterly. Oh, why are you crying? broke in Routhog, taking on the voice of Jake. And Council picked it right up and answered him in the voice of Cherie, Oh, the full moon was shining, just like this when I last played that tune on my flute, and the head of my stolen husband rose up out of still water. And Routhog said, Jake looked at her, and it was as if a veil had fallen from his eyes, for he recognized his dearest wife. Yes, said Council, and when she looked at him with the light of the full moon on his face, she recognized him as well. And then Council and Routhog said, almost in unison, they, they fell into each other's arms and kissed each other over and over again, and nobody need ask whether they lived in bliss until the end of ever after. Council and Hog now laughed and laughed and high-fived each other. Well, I said, I never knew you guys were an act. Oh, yeah, said Council. We know a lot of the same stories. And we steal from each other, said Routhog. Well, I said, maybe you two ought to tell stories together. They turned and looked at each other. We, we do, do, sort of. of. 